0: Uh, Of course, we did the Apostle Peter and then John and last week Judas Iscariot. Now, if you missed out on that one, I I seldom say things like this, but but you really ought to go listen to that one, not because I preached it, but some of the most powerful things that have ever come across this pulpit in 25 years was said last week from lessons from Judas. But anyway, today we want to conclude this series by looking at the nine remaining Apostles And we can learn lessons from them. So let's do that. Luke the 6th chapter. Let's go there. Luke the 6th chapter. In the 12th verse. We've been reading this every time. Every week. Just to review these apostles. Their names. Uh, Luke 6 verse 12. It came to pass in those days that Jesus went out to a mountain to pray. He continued all night in prayer. Notice he continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself and from them, so there's a big group of them, but from them he chose 12, honor to be on this list, wouldn't you say? And uh, whom he named apostles, Simon, who's also named Peter, Andrew, his brother, James and John, Philip and Bartholomew. Now, Bartholomew is also known as Nathaniel. Bartholomew is also known as Nathaniel, Matthew, now he's also known as Levi, and Thomas, James the son of Alphaeus, now he's also known as James the less, wouldn't that do something for your self esteem, (laughs) but it didn't mean that he was less important. It was, to, it was to distinguish him from James, the brother of John. And different scholars have different views on this. It could have been that he was shorter than, than, than uh, uh, the other James. It could have been that he was younger. Uh, we, we don't know. But uh, uh, anyway, James the less. And then Simon called the zealot. And then, so, so you don't want to mix him up with Simon Peter. And then Judas, the son of James. Now, this is not Judas Iscariot. He, he's also known as Thaddeus. Thaddeus. And then Judas Iscariot, who was a traitor. We talked about him last week. So let's look at some lessons from these other nine. First of all, Andrew. Now, probably the biggest lesson we can learn from Andrew Several of them, but the biggest one is that he brought only one person to Christ that that, that we're aware of. He only brought one to Christ, and that was his brother Peter. And the lesson is, is that we need to bring people to Christ. But a lot of people say, well, it's just one. I only got one person saved. Well, if all you did was get one person saved, you'd have done a great thing but you never know who that one person might be or what they might do for the Lord. And of course, you know what Peter, his brother, did for the Lord. Andrew came first to the Lord, but then he brought just the one, he brought Peter. And Peter, you know, was the lead apostle in preached on the day of Pentecost and so many people got saved. But you know, all those people that got saved on the day of Pentecost was credited, I think, also to Andrew's account. Uh, so you just never know who you might be winning to the Lord. And uh, another lesson we can learn, I guess, from Andrew would be that we, we, we don't ever see that, that he was jealous that the Lord did apparently more with his brother than he did with him. Now I know the disciples would argue among themselves who's going to be the greatest and they argued about that a lot but we don't have record where Andrew was ever jealous of his brother because, you know, his brother came the lead, became the lead apostle. Uh, we don't ever see that Andrew was jealous about that. Also with Andrew, if you go to John 6 where Jesus is about to feed the 5,000 with a few loaves and a few fish... It's interesting here, John 6 verse 8, one of his disciples, Andrew, see lessons from Andrew, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to Jesus, because you know there was 5,000 men plus women and children and they didn't have near enough food, they just had a few loaves and fish. And uh, Andrew said to the Lord, there's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. And then he says this. But what are they among so many? What are they? What are we? Just have a little bit here. We just we just barely have enough, really, to feed maybe a couple of people. And now we've got to feed five thousand men plus women and children. He, what are they? Uh, what are they among so many? But of course, you know, they place the loaves and the fish in the hands of the Lord and. Little becomes much. Here's the lesson. Little becomes much when it's placed in the master's touch. It's a great lesson to learn. You may just have a little. And you may say, well, what's this little among all these bills or whatever whatever it is that you have to do and you don't have enough to to suffice the situation? I'd recommend you to learn a lesson from Andrew here and place it in Jesus' hands. Put it in his hands because little becomes much when it's placed in the master's touch. Now, that saying is not original with me, but boy, it's sure good, isn't it? It fits in right here. And so, those are lessons from Andrew. Now, the next one is James, the brother of John, and I'm not going to say anything about him because he's always linked with his brother John and we talked about John, did a whole message on him and he was typically right there with, James was typically right there with John so the lessons we learned because they're brothers, the lessons we learned from John, similar lessons with James, he was also known as a son of thunder, he had a temper issue probably and so forth and so on or you know, so go back and listen to John if you want more on James. Now, there were some things that John, we learned from John that would not apply to James. But, but uh, for lessons on James, just go see John. And <laughs> but let's talk about Philip. He's next on the list. Now, this same situation, we're in this same situation with the feeding of the 5,000. And, of course, Andrew said, what are these fish and loaves? What are these few among so many? And then notice John 6, verse 5. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, "Now notice he said to Philip. So lessons from Philip now. Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? Now Jesus asked him a question. How would you like to have Jesus ask you a question? Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this Jesus said to test him, (laughs) test him, for he himself, Jesus himself, knew what he would do. Philip answered him, and here's what he said, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may even have a little. What are the lessons we learn here? First of all, Jesus will test us at times. You need to realize that. He'll never tempt us, but He will test us. And we should always be ready to give Jesus the right answer. Philip did not give Jesus the right answer because it was not an answer of faith. He spoke of things being not sufficient, not enough, not even enough to have a little. You see, he was talking about insufficiency... Not enough, little... See, that's not words of faith. That's not talk of faith. Jesus is looking for faith. The correct answer here would have been, Lord, we have a little bit here, but when we place it in your touch, uh, uh, it's going to be more than enough because, because you're the God that not only fills up but runs over. That would have been the right answer. But he didn't give the right answer. I'm not putting him down. I may have given the same answer he gave. I may have done worse. I, I don't know. But he gave the wrong answer. Whenever God asks you a question, be sure to answer in faith. You see, Philip did not look at the circumstances. He looked at Jesus. And that's what we all need to learn to do, is not look at the circumstance. But look at Jesus. When there seemingly isn't enough, there seemingly isn't, it doesn't look like the needs can be met, you know, this, that, and the other is going on, going wrong, this this is going on, wrong here, this is going on, wrong here, what are we going to do, what are we going to do, what are we going to do, oh my gosh. Well, you know what? You don't look at the circumstances, you look at Jesus. I know many years ago in starting this church, this is a couple of million dollars that it took now that's that may not be much to you, but it's a whole lot to me it's all paid off isn't that wonderful been paid off for years and and, 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 and i would at times i would you know because any church any church i don't care what the size any church you're going to have people come you're going to have people go and there were times where you know and, and, and people would would leave and Every church has it, guys. Yeah, every church. Every one. And times that that I... You know, I've never, I've never had any care about... I mean, you've seen me have care of, about things and worry about things, and I shouldn't. But have you ever seen me have any care or worry about the provision for this church? Never. Not one time. Now, that's saying something, isn't it? Yes, Not one know. time. And you know what? I've never laid my head on the pillow one night wondering how are we going to pay this bill or how are we going to get this thing done or the other thing done not one night I just cast the care over on the Lord and over the years I've had different ones leave for various reasons or whatever you know sometimes people just leave because the wind changes the direction did you know that? you know that don't you? and uh, what are we, you know, the thought goes through what are we going to do? what are we going to do? what are we going to do? I don't care Somebody ought to say amen right there. I don't give a flip. I don't care. It's not my church. It's God's church. It's His responsibility. Is that right? Oh, yeah, but they're irreplaceable. Hey, I've had a lot of people walk out of here. There's nobody that's irreplaceable, including me. Did you hear me? I'm talking over 25 years of multitudes of people. I'm just using this as an example. Because see, people aren't the source. God's the source. And we love people. We appreciate people. and and uh, But we do not look at the circumstance. As bleak as it may be, <laughs> we just laugh and chuckle and look at the Lord Jesus. Because little becomes much what it's placed in the map. The ma- the master's touch. Amen. I'm supposed to say this. You, I don't know if you realize this, but you attended a Holy Ghost church this morning when you came. Did you know that? And it's a book of Acts church. Amen. I don't know if you realize that or not. And, and uh, the pulpit's directed by the Holy Ghost. The gifts of the Spirit are an operation manifestation. Glory to God. Not all the time, but as the Spirit wills, praise God. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge. Discerning of spirits, special faith, gifts of healings, working of miracles. Right? Word of wisdom. Tongues, interpretation tongues, prophecy. Amen. We get our prayers answered. Uh, I, I, I don't know if you realize it or not, but the last election in 2016, that turned out the way it did not because we were in here praying just a general prayer but the Holy Ghost told me exactly what to pray we prayed exactly that and the things turned out just exactly the way we prayed isn't that something uh, uh, concerning uh, this abortion thing the Holy Ghost has had us in here standing against that spirit of murder for years and years now, and I'm happy to say the state of Missouri is just it's the leading state as far as I know of stamping out abortion can you say amen that didn't happen just by accident and I know a lot of people praying, all right, not just us, don't misunderstand me, but we have played our, our part, praise God. And then concerning this thing with Iraq, that didn't catch us by surprise. Holy Ghost told me in a prayer, you ought to come to those prayer meetings, you never know what we might find out. Amen. And Holy Ghost told me in the, in, the, in the prayer meeting, told me exactly. Are you paying attention now? Yes. Told me exactly. Uh, uh, some of you were here. And said to Mr. Trump, some things were going to come across his desk. How many remembers that? You remember that. And, and in the next six months, it had to do with war. Remember that? And, the, and How many remembers that? And, and, and I, that was long before we knew anything about this. Went to bed that night. The next morning, first thing on the news, there was talking about this Iraq thing. That, uh, 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 Iran thing. I'm not doing that to draw attention to myself, but the Holy Ghost is in operation. Amen. This is a New Testament church, you see, Amen. an Acts church. The very next morning we woke up, looked at the television, and we were both astounded. On April what was it? April 29th, we were both astounded. The, this Iran thing—I said Iraq, but I meant Iran thing. Then the very next morning we prayed Sunday. The Holy Ghost spoke to me, told me all about it, and, and then the very next morning the first the first revelation of it was right there on television, and now we've seen it play out. Ever since, even to this last Friday, we're almost hitting them with with bombs. Is that right? And our prayers, it looks like our prayers are holding on that for Mr. Trump to do the right thing. You don't ever want to take something for granted. This is a Holy Ghost church. I've tried to run it that way for the last uh, 25 years. And we're going to just keep right on going. I said, we're going to keep right on going. I said, we're going to keep right on going. I said, we're going to keep right on going. going. And if the circumstance looks bleak on anything, guess what we're going to do? We're not going to look at the circumstance. We're going to look at Jesus. Amen. Is that all right? Yes. Whether you amen me or not, I'm going to still stand here and preach it. Glory, to God. Amen. Glory amen. to God. Glory to God. Praise God forevermore. Amen. I've had to learn over the years. I'm off my notes now. I've had to learn over the years not to be moved by people's amen or the looks on their faces that's one reason I, some years ago I need to get back to looking in people's eyes one years, years ago I just started looking over just right at people's top of, over the top of people's heads because, because you look down at them sometimes p- different people have different looks on their faces sometimes they're just out to lunch just... Did, I don't know if you realize this but that affects a. I didn't realize how much a congregation affects a pulpit until I stood in a pulpit Do you know Jesus couldn't do some things that he wanted to do because the congregation wasn't with him? And he'd have to pull people aside? And did you know I've read in the Bible and I saw where God warned the prophets, several of the prophets in the Old Testament, and he warned them and he said, when I send you to these people, they're not going to listen to you. He told them that before, before he ever sent them. But he said, don't be moved by their facial expressions. I've already been, over the years, I've been ready to go down a certain road that the Holy Ghost directed me to go down and, and, and I'd happen to look down at somebody and, 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 and they had a certain look on their face and it threw me off and I'd back off that point. That's why I start looking over the tops of people's heads. But you know, I think I'm going to start looking in the whites of people's eyes now and just not be moved by what I see. Because you're a good group. Amen. And even if you're out to lunch, it's not going to bother me. If you've already gone to Kentucky Fried Chicken 10 minutes before you should, it's not going to throw me off. Glory to God. Now why I said all that, I don't know. But God will show you things to come. The Holy Ghost will show you things to come. This Iran thing hasn't caught us by surprise. We knew it was coming for it got here. Amen. Glory to God. And we need to keep praying for Mr. Trump. Can you say amen? Now then... Don't look at the circumstance. Who are we supposed to look at? Supposed to look at Jesus. Supposed to look at Jesus. Amen. And we learn here, because he tested Philip, Philip gave the wrong answer, but what did the Bible say? Jesus knew what he would do, right? And look at John 6 verse 10. Then Jesus said, make the people sit down. And there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, and numbered about 5,000. Jesus took the loaves, and when he'd given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, disciples, uh, to those sitting down, likewise, the fish as much as they would, as much as they would, as much as they wanted. Glory yes. God. See, Philip is saying, we don't have enough. We don't have enough. Andrew said, we don't have enough. But Jesus gave them 5,000 plus, uh, plus women and children. He gave them as much as they wanted. Glory to God. So when they were what? When they were filled. See, Jesus won't just give you a little. He'll fill you up, run you over. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. Yes. He said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered them up, filled 12 baskets. See, see we're thinking about low so little, we got so little, we don't have enough. And, and that don't move Jesus. He's going to fill it up, run it over and you'll have more left over than you can eat at the end. Glory to God. Amen. If you'll hook in with the Lord. Cuz he's not interested in just filling you up. He's looking at running you over, see. Gather up the fragments. Therefore they gathered them up, filled twelve baskets with the fragments of five barley loaves that were left over by those who had eaten. Isn't that something? Did it say anything about the fish? I guess they must ate all the fish. Maybe fish wouldn't keep. I don't know. Will fish keep? If it's not refrigerated? If it's salted? Who can say? Okay, they probably didn't have salt out there. But if they had needed that Jesus, I think he could have come up with that too. He turned Lot's wife into salt so he could come up with it. Because she looked back. She shouldn't look back. Look forward alright and then in John 14 verse 8 now watch this here's here's another lesson from Philip Philip said to him Lord show us the Father and it'll suffice us and Jesus said said to him have I been so long with you and yet you have not known me Philip he who has seen me has seen the Father what lesson do we learn here well he who has seen Jesus has seen the Father Jesus is the express image of God the Father. And the life and ministry of Jesus Christ shows us the will of God the Father for all men, for all time. Isn't that something? Something else, I I don't have this in my notes, but I feel impressed to say something about it. He said to uh, Philip, he said, have I been so long with you and yet you have not known me? Here's a little spiritual principle. That I've, that I've watched over the years. And I've seen it in this ministry in my life. As a pastor. Where I've been with people. And they've worked with me very closely. And for years and years and years and years. And then. You know they'll. Something will come up and. It's like they don't even know. My heart. They don't even know. They, they haven't seen my heart. For all those years. And. and Something you got to watch out from where you sit. I'm speaking to you now. Sometimes I speak from the pulpit's perspective, but now I'm speaking from the perspective of the pew where you sit or on the chair. You have to look at a person's, a pastor's heart. I've already had to some great credit I've had some people over the years who've come to me privately and said Pastor you know what you said out there under the anointing was pretty, pretty blunt and, and, and it would have offended me but, but, but I'm not going to be offended because I know your heart but a lot of people you can spend time with them and time with them and time with them And something comes up and they don't know your heart. And you say to them, have I been so long with you and yet you've not known me. You see this sometimes in marriages. Where years can come and go. And people can be married for 15, 20, 30 years. And something will happen and it's like the two don't even know one another. Something we all have to watch, isn't it? Make an effort to not just look at somebody's actions or words, but try to look beyond that and see their, their heart over a long period of time. Right? Yes or no? Yes. Yes. Now let's talk about Bartholomew. John 1, let's go there, John 1, verse 45. We've been talking about Philip. Now he finds Bartholomew, also known as Nathaniel, and says to him, now look at what he says. Now again, you see a lesson here. Here's a soul winner. He's he's going and getting one person and bringing them to Jesus. And, and he says, we found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Now, don't miss that. He says, we, so Philip goes to Nathaniel or Bartholomew. We'll call him Nathaniel here. We found him whom Moses in the law. Now, notice, we found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathaniel said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, before Philip called you, you were under the fig tree. See, Jesus had a word of knowledge here. The Holy Ghost revealed it to him. Something else I'll just throw in here if you don't realize this do you know what the Jews typically did under fig trees? They typically studied the law. The first five books of the Old Testament, the Pentateuch or the Torah, it's known as. And, and, and he said, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, they would. Uh, I saw you. Nathanael answered and said, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Now, that's a good thing to be saying about Jesus right there, isn't it? Jesus answered and said to him, "Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe you will see greater things than these? So what are the lessons we can draw out of this? Well, first of all, both Philip and Nathaniel and many others in that time were looking for the Messiah. You have to realize, and a lot of people don't realize this but but you know if you don't really study into it, you think, well Jesus just showed up and and while there he was and he caught everybody by surprise no 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 these people were looking for the messiah do you know do you know how I can say that because well right here he says in verse 45 we found him of whom moses in the law, we found him of whom moses in the law and also the prophets wrote see these guys many of them of his disciples and others had been studying the law of moses and the prophets and they knew like daniel gave a prophecy and gave the exact the exact actually the exact time down to the day but gave the exact season certainly of when the messiah was going to come and those people back there then they, they knew that the messiah was was it was time for him to come they knew that through their study of the of what we call the old testament you see and uh And and you see, based on Old Testament prophecies, it was the season for for Jesus to appear, for the Messiah to appear, you see. And now they didn't know who it was going to be. They just knew he was coming. And the thing we need to learn from this is this. Jesus, the Messiah, came the first time on schedule as prophesied in the word of God and many were looking for him. And here's what we need to grab a hold of. He will come again the second time on schedule as prophesied in the word of God. And like Philip and Nathaniel, we should be looking for him. Everybody right there ought to say, Amen. Amen. We really ought to be looking for him. Because, Because if you've studied the Bible at all and you've studied prophecy at all, you would know that just like they were in the season for Him to appear the first time, we are in the season for Him to appear the second time. We're right in that season. Absolutely. So we need to take that lesson away from these guys here, that they were in the season for Him to come the first time, we are in the season, according to this holy book, for Him to come the second time. Philip and Nathaniel teach us to study prophecy and be on the lookout for Jesus. Then he says, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Well, where did Jesus come out of? Nazareth, right? You all know that, don't you? Jesus of Nazareth. Well, can anything good come out of Nazareth? I can answer that. That's an easy question. What's the answer? Absolutely. What's the lesson? Don't disqualify somebody based on their background or where they come from. Something else that we learn from Nathanael is Jesus made the statement that he said, Here's an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. This Israelite, this true Israelite, this true Jew that was living right, living holy, studying the law under the fig tree, even that chosen person of God had to come to the Messiah, Jesus Christ. What do we learn? We learn that the Jews must come to Jesus to be saved just like the Gentiles must come to Jesus to be saved. And here you have... Nathaniel was a, was a holy man, devout, under the fig tree, studying the word, looking for the Messiah. But that was not enough. He had to come to the Messiah. He had to come and he had to call Jesus, you are the Son of God, the King of Israel. A lot of people say, well, the Jews are safe. They're the people of God. They're safe in the old covenant. They don't need Jesus. That's a lie. This Bible says that the Israelites must come to Jesus. Just like the Gentiles, Cornelius was a perfect type in Acts the 10th chapter, a holy devout man, a Gentile, that just means he wasn't a Jew, a Gentile, a holy devout man, prayed, gave money to the poor, all of that. But but the angel appeared to him and said, send for Peter and he'll come and tell you what you must do. See, what do you mean what I must do? I, I live right, I do good, this, that and the other. But see, he didn't have Jesus. And Peter came and told him about Jesus. He believed on Jesus and got saved, you see. What lesson do we take away? Is that the Jews need Jesus and so do the Gentiles. Amen. And then a final lesson from Nathanael. If you follow Jesus, you will see great things. Because Jesus said you will see greater things than these. And how many of you know he saw some greater things? Absolutely. Now, let's go to Luke, the fifth chapter. And we'll talk about Matthew. You know what his other name was? It was Levi. Is this too much for you, or are you okay? Luke, the fifth chapter, the 27th verse. After these things, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting, or Matthew or Levi, sitting at the tax office. He said to him, Follow me. Watch this. So he left all, rose up, and followed him. Wow. Realize tax collectors were hated in that day more than in this day. And Levi gave him a great feast in his own house. Think about that. The New Living Translation says he made Jesus the guest of honor. And there were a great number of tax collectors and others who sat down with them and their scribes and Pharisees complained against the disciples saying why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered and said to them those who are well have no need of a physician but those who are sick I have not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. What do we learn from Matthew? We learn this. When Jesus calls drop everything drop what you're doing and follow him. Don't even think it over. If he calls, you drop everything and go. I can tell you to, to do that because my wife and I, we did that. I just got my math degree. I just got my job teaching school. She is a nurse. The Lord told us, get married and leave it all. Go to Bible school and we did it. And it's not easy to do. Most people can't do it, won't do it. But thank God we did it. And the Lord has provided for us every step of the way. Now for some 30 years, glory to God, he's met every need on every side. Never been any lack at all. Not, so it Came close a couple times, but never, let, not, not one, not, can you say amen? No lack, not nothing, no lack. Provided on every side. And not only has he provided on every side, but he's run it over for us. Glory to God. Praise God. Many times more. hundredfold. Better than that. Better than a hundredfold. Glory to God. It pays to serve God. We didn't just throw him a little tip. We gave him our lives. And he's met us on every side. I'm glad we've served him the last 30 years. How about you? I don't say that to boast us. I just say that to brag on him. If you'll follow him, he'll fill you up, run you over. Glory to God. If you get serious about it, about him and start really walking with him and praying and seeking him, he'll fill you up, run you over. Now, he didn't do it overnight. He didn't do it in the first day, the first week, the first month, the first year, the first five years, first 10 years, first 15 years. Now, there was never any lack. But over the last last decade he's run it over glory to I mean just poured it on and run it over glory to God isn't that wonderful I said isn't that wonderful I said that's wonderful isn't it when he calls drop what you're doing and follow him the Lord gives here's another lesson the Lord gives us opportunity to give up or leave something that's precious to us to show how much we esteem honor and love him I'll say that again, the Lord gives us the opportunity to leave something, give up something precious to us to show how much we esteem, honor, and love Him. Here's another lesson, open up your home, open up your heart to Him and make Him the guest of honor. And another lesson, boy there's a lot of lessons, Jesus came to call sinners to repentance. Repentance. well let's finish this up let's go on and talk about Thomas he's also known as Didymus which is the Greek word for twin he may have had a twin and uh, he wasn't present when Jesus appeared to his disciples the first time in the room the night of Jesus' resurrection when the doors were shut they told Thomas about it look at John 20, 25 the other, the other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, "Unless you See, he wasn't there the first time when Jesus appeared to him. He says, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. Now look at verse 26. So after eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it in my side. Do not be unbelieving but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you've seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. What are the lessons here? Through Thomas, we learn the lesson of faith. We learn that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things, not what? Not seen or perceived, you see. Thomas said, I have to see it to believe it. I have to feel it to believe it. But see, faith is just the opposite. See, that's the world kind of faith. I have to see it to believe it. I have to feel it to believe it. But see, Bible faith, God faith, is you don't have to see it. You don't have to feel it. You just believe it because God said it. Can you say amen? amen? See, that's Bible faith. He teaches us all about Bible faith. Also, think of this, because of one statement, Thomas will forever be known as Doubting Thomas. Yet Thomas is the first apostle after the resurrection to declare Jesus as Lord to God. Lesson, don't label someone for all eternity because of one mistake they made. It's not how someone starts out that really matters so much, but how they finish. Why don't we call him believing Thomas? I guess that's what we'll call his twin. Now, as Jesus was nearing the end of... of, uh, his ministry here on the earth and his time to be crucified. Look at John 14 verses 5 and 6. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What is the lesson we learn? That Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through Him. Now, I've just got three more to do, and I'm going to do them quick. Simon called the zealot. He's very obscure. Not much is given in Scripture on Simon the zealot. But we learn a lesson from his distinction, the zealot. Now, listen to this. The Zealots were an aggressive political party whose concern for the national and religious life of the Jewish people led them to despise even Jews who sought peace with the Roman authorities. The Zealots were Jews who were rebelling against Roman rule and taxation. They they believed in one God and the Romans had many gods and and they didn't accept the Romans' way of life and their belief structure. The Zealots... Were described as unconquerable because they would serve no one but the God of the Old Testament. So he was a political guy, Simon. He was a political man, into politics. He was very passionate about politics. What do we learn? As important as politics were to him, he put Jesus above politics. I'm here today to tell you, be passionate about politics. Be involved in politics. But be willing to put Jesus above politics. There's a difference between being a patriot and a Christian. A lot of the patriots that you see out there, being good patriots, I respect that that's good, but a lot of them aren't Christians. Always put Christianity above patriotism. And if you're really a true Christian, I believe you will be patriotic. But I see a lot of people putting politics above Jesus. Don't do that. Be zealous for politics. Be involved in the country. Vote. Be involved. Do that. Be involved in the political. Yes, 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 yes. But don't put that even close to Jesus. Always put Jesus above that. Can you say amen to that? And then you got these last two. James, the son of Alphaeus, known as James the Less, and Judas, the son of James, also known as Thaddeus, Like Simon the Zealot, they're very obscure. Not much is known about them. They're perhaps the two most obscure of the 12. Don't know much about them. Here's the lesson. The lesson is that you don't need to be well known to make a big difference for God. Most may not know who these two men are, but Jesus prayed all night and then chose them along with the well-known apostles. And even if you're James the Less, think about James the Less, so if you're writing out a resume, looking for a new job, James the Less, and you write down, and, and previously worked for Jesus of Nazareth, previous occupation, apostle of Christ, that's, even if you don't know who James the Less is, that's pretty impressive, isn't it? Yes. Did you ever notice the letters the President of the United States sends out is they're very simple. You know, you get letters from some people who haven't accomplished much. They'll have all their titles and everything. And, but you get a letter from the president. I've never gotten one, but I've seen letters. It just says something like the White House, that it's signed President of the United States. That's pretty, that's pretty impressive. But I'd tell you something more that's more impressive having something, James the Less, Apostle of Christ. That'd be pretty impressive, would it? Work personally for Jesus. You think he'd get hired? A lot of people wouldn't hire him. A lot of churches wouldn't hire him. I'd hire him. I'd, I'd work for him. You know this. This one, this Judas. I, I'm almost done, but this Judas. This 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 uh, son of James really brought something out of Jesus that we need to know. Look at John fourteen twenty two. I just I know I need to close this, but this is really good, and I don't want to miss this opportunity. Jesus is talking. You know, sometimes you can ask a question of the Lord and draw something out of Him that He might not have otherwise said. And and Jesus is giving. He's right, but he's just as he's headed for the cross and the crucifixion, he's giving his sharing his heart with his disciples. And look at John 14, 22. Judas, not a scared, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered, said to him. Now, Jesus might not have said this, but this Judas drew it out of him. He said, If anyone loves me, he'll keep my word. You know, it's not enough just to say, I love the Lord. Are you keeping his word? If you're not keeping his word, you've proven you don't love him. He said, if anyone loves me, he'll keep my word. My father will love him and we'll come to him and make our home with him, our abode with him. That's cool, isn't it? Well, anyway, go to Acts 1. We'll conclude. Right here's the conclusionary verse. I have to close it with this. Yeah, God bless you. Kazunite. How do you spell that? K-U-K-I no don't start that I'm just teasing yeah. you probably can spell it how do you spell Gesundheit with a K or G G alright how do you spell it with it it starts with a G good it's German I know that Starts with a G. I start. I was. I've been saying. I've been saying all these. I start with a K. It's with a G. Well, see, I learned something today. And look at Acts one thirteen. When they. That's good. And when they would entered, they went up into the upper room. Now this is. Now look at this. Lesson we learned from all eleven. Because Judas ain't here. He's dead at this time. He hung himself. We looked at that last week. Acts one thirteen. When they'd entered, they went into the upper room where they were staying. Now watch this. Let's count them now. Now help me out. Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, Simon, Judas. How many is that? That's 11. They all made it to the upper room, didn't they? And it says, verse 14, These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. All 11 made it to the upper room. They made it past the crucifixion. They did forsake Jesus, but they all came back. And they continued to serve, look, in one accord, prayer, supplication, and all that. Now watch this. All 11, listen to this. They all continued to serve Jesus and remain faithful to Him until the end of their lives on earth. They all preached the gospel until they were martyred for the cause of Christ. And I could show you where they all preached and where they went and all that. But they all preached the gospel until they were martyred, put to death for the cause of Jesus Christ. John was the... Thank God for these guys. John... You and I are going to miss hell because of these guys. Do you realize that? Because Jesus left the word with them, and he said that we'd believe on him through their word. Is that right? We owe these guys a lot. We owe them a lot. Ultimately, we miss hell because of Jesus, but we had to hear the message. It came through these guys. They didn't just quit and go home. You know, they went out fishing, we saw that. They were gonna they were gonna just call it quits, but Jesus appeared to them, and they continued. Glory to God. And they preached and were faithful until they were put to death for the cause of Christ. Peter was crucified upside down. He said, I can't be crucified the way my Lord was. I think Andrew was on an X-shaped cross. One of them had the skin beat off him with a whip. Think about that. Think about it. We owe these guys a lot. John was the only one of the eleven not to be martyred. He died a natural death, in old age, but they persecuted him. They boiled him in oil. And he came up out of that oil and he wasn't harmed. It scared the emperor silly. Put him on the Isle of Patmos, got the book of Revelation, came back, wrote 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and died an old man. What's the lesson? We too must finish our course for Christ. Stand with me if you would. Don't forget to hand out your tracks this week, please. Father God, we thank you today for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy.